0: welcome one and all it is time once again to assemble in the court of the trashy royals our podcast about naughty nobles my name is stacy
1: thanks for joining us today i am alicia and i am super thrilled to be taking our journey back over into the romanovs today we took a bit of an interlude last week trashy uncles and for all my anglophiles all the Hanoverians and Queen Victoria, so much, they're going to come back up but this week. What do they say? In for a ruble, in for a font. <laughs> is that what they say? Perhaps, if you're in Russia. Or maybe, not just in for a ruble, in for a font, but maybe in for a revolution. Mm. This is all going to culminate together. But today, it's time to set the story of the Emperor of Russia from 1825 to 1855. 30 years in his reign, coming onto the throne the same time as Queen Victoria herself, led us anon to Nicholas I.
0: Right, Alicia. So same time frame as Queen Victoria,
1: but across the Knot Pond. Exactly. Of Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about how Nicholas I actually gets it to the
0: throne. Because you said that when Alexander I either died or disappeared, unclear, They nobody wanted it. His brothers were all like, mm, not a.
1: This is really unusual in history. Right. So to your point, exactly. When Alexander I died or pulled a runner, became the mysterious monk, perhaps. perhaps Without any kids, everyone expected that Alexander's brother, Grand Duke Constantine, would become czar. He was the next in line. And who says no to power? <laughs> Grand Duke Constantine. Why does he decide to give up the throne? Here's the deal. Constantine had actually abdicated his right to the throne In 1823, but it's kept totally secret, totally on the DL, on the orders of Alexander I, who won't die for two more years. Alex the one doesn't die, disappear until 1825. Leave the throne, let's say. So no one, including the next in line to the throne, was aware of it. Constantine had already said two years before, I don't want it, bro. I'm out. Constantine had divorced his wife in 1820 and married a Polish noblewoman. The important thing here about that Polish noblewoman, she was not of royal blood, which meant that the kids that Constantine had by her do not have any claim to the Russian throne. Happily enough, I guess for Constantine, this marriage doesn't deprive him of his rights to the Russian throne. But Constantine doesn't want it. He will provide, Constantine will, to his brother Alex, the marriage and the exclusion of his children to the secession as his reason for abdication. Don't want it. You don't like, I mean, my wife, my kids aren't going to have any privileges. I'm out. I like that these are all
0: descendants
1: of Catherine the Great who had zero Russian blood. Okay. (laughs) Constantine was commander of the Russian armies in Poland, and he overall was pretty happy in his role. He'll eventually become the governor of the kingdom of Poland. A little bit of a fun fact, especially if you're into coinage. Before it was known that Constantine had relinquished his right to the throne, there was a coin minted that bore his profile. It was called the Constantine Ruble. And it was never used because Constantine never became emperor. (laughs) Oopsie at the mint, I guess. (laughs) But now it's an extremely valuable and rare item in the old coin market. If you have this, you got a fortune. We bring all the fun facts to you here on Trashy Royals. You never know where the story's going to go. But hey, we're here for the third brother. Who's next in line after Constantine? Nikkei! Nicholas the First. Again, he's going to reign for three decades, 30 years, 1825 to 1855. And uh, yikes, Nicholas I's reign doesn't start off great. It begins with a bloody revolt due to the confusion about the succession after his older brother. Alexander I's sudden and unexpected death, sure, quote unquote, Everybody knows the next legal heir was Nicholas's older brother, Grand Duke Constantine. He's the next in line. But remember, all of that deal was super hush-hush. So the Russian populace doesn't know that Constantine had renounced his rights to the throne and didn't want it. Oddly enough, Nicholas doesn't want it either. So Russia finds itself in a very unique (laughs) position instead of two... not it. not it. Exactly. instead of two brothers fighting for the throne, right we have two brothers who were bickering about which one of them had to become
0: emperor. not it. Such a strange situation. It may speak to how
1: difficult governing Russia is. I mean, this isn't a story we see very often. Mm-mm. You hmm. take it. you take it. That is not the way that the no game of Thrones is normally played. So, to everyone, it looks like Nicholas is taking the throne away from Constantine. So, a military coup in favor of Constantine gets all fired up and they go protest with a large crowd of armed people. Chaos breaks out. These rebels try to seize the Winter Palace. <laughs> to install the guy who does not want it. <laughs> Correct. But they fail Unfortunately, in this seizing of the Winter Palace thing, they kill some of the prominent members of Nicholas's inner circle, which is bad. And eventually heavy artillery and cannons were used to break up the rebellion. Wow. In history, this is known as the Decembrist Revolt. It took place December 26, 1825. Over 3,000 people were arrested Many were sent to prison, executed, or exiled to Siberia. <laughs> they they do love that exile to Siberia thing. The Decemberist revolt really does set the tone for Nicholas's reign, and ends up making him a firm believer in the importance of autocracy. Nicholas is quick to suspect and suppress any kind of disobedience. Sure. His Nicovalian system was known as the most oppressive in Europe. Fantastic. Big win. He was called the gendarme of Europe, if that gives you an idea. And it's not just the Decemberist revolt that shaped Nicholas's views and his style of rule, so to speak. Let's get into the family tree here and just connect Nicholas into our Romanov foray. Nicholas is 19 years younger than his older brother, Emperor Alex the One. So instead of being greatly influenced by Catherine the Great, mm-hmm. the way that Alexander was, Nicholas is much more influenced by his autocratic father, Paul the First. Paul, okay. Yep. Nicholas is the third son, which means legit, no one ever expects him to become emperor. Sure. He's not educated to rule. He was given disciplined military training. He believes very strongly in order and discipline, but he wasn't given the same sort of education and childhood that Alexander I did, because everybody knows Alex is going to be emperor. And if
0: something happened to Alex, there was always Constantine. Correct. Like, yeah, the idea that the
1: third son was... So far down in line, never going to happen. So, yikes, Nicholas, the continuation of this ping pong government that Russia has had for a lot of years will simply continue under Nicholas. He believes, this is his fun thing, that an ignorant population was a docile population. He orders, yeah, 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 yeah. it's, It's a take. It's a take. He orders his minister of education to keep the people stupid. Hmm. And of this job, he said, if I can extend Russia's childhood another 50 years, I will consider my mission accomplished.
0: Okay, that's some policy
1: choices, policy choices. So Nikki does a few things. He establishes a new secret police force. Mm. It's always what you want to have established is a new secret police force with spies and investigators that ensure that Russia functions as a police state.
0: Excellent.
1: This sounds fun. This he, sounds fun for everyone. He has a triumvirate of uh, official ideology for Russia and its three components. Nicholas thinks they are orthodoxy, mm-hmm. autocracy, mm-hmm. and nationality. Oh, good. Super cool, Nikki. Good, good, good. Super cool. Good. Great. We're going to move into a little segment of the story about Nicholas I and Dostoyevsky. Huh. Now, Fyodor Dostoyevsky was a member of this group of artists and intellectuals who meet and freely discuss their illegal thoughts mm-hmm. on many things. I was going to say, this sounds very dangerous in this environment. Well, right. Russia, ping pong government. It's mm-hmm. uh, Things aren't great in Russia. So... Dostoevsky and his buddies get together, they meet, they gab about the condition of the common Russian citizen and, you know, just general criticisms of the emperor. Nicholas, being the repressive autocrat that he was, wasn't really a fan of that. I'm surprised. Didn't like that one bit. Surprised to hear that. <laughs> so having discovered, with his super secret spy network, mm-hmm. their political discussions and meetings... The members of this group were naturally arrested. After eight months of harsh imprisonment and interrogation, 20 to zero of these free-thinking artists and intellectuals were sentenced to death by firing squad. <laughs> Dostoyevsky was one of those 20. It is on a bitterly cold day in December 1849, that the men were taken to their place of future execution, where three stakes awaited them. Dostoyevsky and his fellow free-thinking, condemned friends stood waiting and shivering from the extreme cold. How cold was it, you ask? Negative 20 degrees. Yikes. They would be taken in groups of three, and Dostoevsky was in the second group. But, just as the firing squad raised their rifles and took aim... They were told of a sudden reprieve from Nicholas himself. Apparently, Nicholas, this was his big idea, he had planned this whole thing just as a charade. It's a charade. He never planned to execute the men. He just wanted them to go through the whole experience of torture just right up to the minute before their deaths.
0: Okay, but the people in the first group...
1: Must have been so mad if they were alive to be mad about it. That's exactly right. Dostoevsky later wrote, I received the news of the termination of execution dully. There was no joy at returning to the living. People around me were shouting and making noise, but I didn't care. I had already lived through the worst. Yes, the very worst. Wretched Grigoryev, this is another group member, went mad. How did the others survive? I don't know. We didn't even catch cold. So, an intense experience. Well, even though they didn't die mm-hmm. that particular day, these freethinkers who got this weird reprieve were sentenced to four years of hard labor in Siberia, followed by mandatory army service. Because you definitely
0: want to put freethinking rabble-rousers into your military... That's
1: exactly it. And, you know, to be fair, the world was far richer for Dostoevsky's survival because in 1866, he wrote the classic Crime and Punishment and the Brothers Karamazov in 1879, as well as many others in between. Mm-hmm. So thanks, Dostoyevsky.
0: Being a part of a royal family might seem enticing, but more often than not, it comes at the expense of everything else, like your freedom, your privacy, and sometimes
1: even your head. Wondery's new podcast, Even the Royals, pulls back the curtain on royal families, past and present from all over the world, to show you the darker side of what it means to be royalty.
0: From icons like Grace Kelly, Oscar-winning actress turned princess of Monaco, who the world saw as the ultimate good girl, She mastered playing a happy wife and mother, but beneath it all, she was desperately lonely. Grace spent her whole life working towards perfection, and it ultimately cost her her happiness.
1: Or King Ludwig II from Bavaria. He was only 18 when his father died, leaving the crown to him and a duty to rule that he never wanted. He refused to lead and used funds from the royal treasury to further his extreme love of opera. But this choice eventually cost him the crown. And his life. Mm. Follow even the royals on the Wondery app or wherever you get your
0: podcasts. You can binge even the royals ad free right now on Wondery Plus.
1: Ah, mm. the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on—that's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive, sought-after, rare, and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ladies and gentlemen. What are you doing? What do you mean? Just keep it simple. Uh, I'm making the promo. Just keep it simple. Just say, hey, we're the Brav Bros. Two guys that talk about Bravo.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're the Brav Bros. No. Oh. Dude. Stop with the voice. Just keep it simple.
1: I've seen promos on TV, dude. This is how you get the fans engaged. This is how you get listeners. We're trying to get listeners here. If we just say, oh, we're two dudes that talk about Bravo, people are going to get tired of it already. We need some oomph. All right, then fine. Let's try to do it with your voice. Bravo, bros. Good job. You ready to hear about the affairs of Nikki the One? Because we're here for the trashy. So when Nicholas was 21, he married Princess Charlotte of Prussia who doesn't end up as Princess Charlotte because you need your new Russian Orthodox name. Right. Princess Charlotte of Prussia takes the name Alexandra Fedorovna. They were both considered, Nicholas and now Alexandra, to be beautiful. They liked each other. In fact, for many years, they had a seemingly happy and romantic marriage. Nicholas affectionately calls her Muffy, M-O-U-F-F-Y. That's not how it's spelled in Russian, but you get my point. They have pet names. Yeah. They don't even use the same alphabet. Nicholas, though, becoming czar unexpectedly, mm-hmm. out of nowhere, changes the dynamic. Yeah. Well, followed by the trauma of the Decemberist revolt, mm-hmm. leaves Alexandra mentally depleted and kind of on edge. Shortly afterward, Alexandra has a breakdown. And a resulting nervous twitch she will develop that will last the rest of her life. Not good times for Alexandra. Mm-hmm. By 1832, this time Nicholas had been emperor for about seven years, Alexandra had already given birth to seven kids. Uh huh. Wow. Alexandra is so exhausted and anxious and emotionally fragile that doctors forbid her from having sex for the rest of her life to avoid any other further pregnancies. So no more pregnancies for Alexandra, which, you know, kind of works out good for her because at this point, not having to do that part of the Mm -hmm. marital uh, pact, so to speak, Alexandra goes to her private country residence away from court. She's out of St. Petersburg. There's no more stress. She just relaxes, reads books, eats chocolates, has a pretty good time. Chilling and uh, relaxing. Netflix and chill. All right. Yeah. Good outcome. But this leaves Nikki alone. Oh, yeah. It certainly leaves Nikki in St. Petersburg. And Nikki does not follow that I'm not going to have sex anymore Mm -hmm. rule. Mm -hmm. He has a lot of sex, just not with his wife. It is well known that Nicholas I had many lovers. The most significant... Huh, very bad for Alexandra. You can only imagine why she was a little anxious. Nikki's most significant lover is Vivara Neladova, who is Alexandra's favorite lady in waiting. You know, office romances. <laughs> in 1845, Empress Alexandra was so fed up with this nonsense, she will order Vivara to accompany her on a trip to Italy just so she could get Vavara away from her husband. It was a smart plan. Did she then murder her in Italy? Like what? No, because not according to Alexandra's big plan. Nicholas decides to drop everything and accompany Alexandra and Vavara to Italy. Wow. Mm -hmm. State visit right there. Mm Mm-hmm. Nicholas was quite devoted to Vavara, and their meetings were organized and planned naturally in military style. That's just every area of his life. He's big into scheduling. Vavara and Nicholas would have their first daily meeting at 9 a.m., and then Nicholas would go spend time with the Empress. And at 1.30 in the afternoon, Nicholas would have his second daily meeting with Vavara. As you can imagine, Nicholas and Bavara had many children together. <laughs> These kids were promptly adopted by Nicholas's trusted advisor. This is General Peter Klein McKell, who considered it the ultimate service to the emperor to raise all of his illegitimate children as his own. <laughs> you can't do this without help. His courtiers run a well-oiled but discreet system Mm. for the emperor's liaisons. They also keep a group of married aristocratic beauties just on the ready, available at all times, like the pantry is stocked. Nicholas also does this thing where he sees women just on the street that he liked. He's a rock star, right? And so he has his men... Arrange private meetings with them. Bring them backstage. Just, okay. Mm -hmm. Get them. Oh, that shopkeeper, she looks lovely. (laughs) As Nicholas was tall and handsome, he, and the emperor, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't tell the emperor no. He doesn't meet a whole lot of resistance. One of his favorite places to find new lovers was the theater. Nicholas's friend and famous poet and novelist Alexander Pushkin once said that the Tsar ran a harem of budding actresses. Now, Alexander Pushkin is going to find this new, very young wife. She's 18. Her name is Natalia. And his, you know, good friend Nicholas I wasted no time in flirting with Pushkin's new wife, Natalia. Observing this, Pushkin wrote, Of a morning, he purposefully drives past her windows several times and in the evening at a ball, asks why her blinds are always down. Creeper. (laughs) Super big creeper. Nicholas wasn't the only one at court, though, flirting with Natalia, and Pushkin started resenting all of the attention that his new young Mm. wife was getting. Ultimately, this leads to Alexander Pushkin's death. Pushkin received an anonymous letter Addressed to the coadjutor to the Grand Master of the Order of the Cuckolds.
0: Okay, that's that's a lot. That's a lot of big words.
1: Grand Master of the Order of the Cuckolds. Wow. After a lot of court drama and finger-pointing, Pushkin engaged in a duel to preserve his wife's honor. Oh, my God. And on January 27th, 1837, Pushkin was fatally wounded in this duel. Wow. Alexander Hamilton. Okay. Got a little bit of other miscellaneous Nicky the First trashiness. The thing you should know about Nick, I mean, all around pretty terrible guy, kind of an autocrat, wants to keep the people dumb, He also strongly dislikes Jewish people. Mm. During Nicholas's reign, the Jewish population in Russia was over 2 million folks. In order to force them to comply with all of his strict edicts. Right, orthodoxy. Nicholas starts a system of compulsory military service for all Jewish boys that would start at the age of 18. This compulsory military service forces all of these 18-year-olds to spend 25 years in the Russian military. But Nikki doesn't wait until they're 18. Before their 18th birthday, Nicholas gains control of them by sending all the Jewish boys to Cantonist schools far away from their families. He does this so they would be unable, or at least not... Easily able to practice Judaism.
0: I'm sure they were being indoctrinated heavily in these schools. That's exactly
1: right. They're forced to culturally assimilate to Russian customs and practices. In many instances, the forced separation from their families and resulting lack of connection to them, the families, or the Jewish community worked in getting these young men to convert to Christianity. Sure. Nicholas also attempted to force Russification on the Jewish people by not allowing any Jewish books to be printed in Yiddish or in Hebrew. Well, this sounds terrible. Terrible. It's trashy royals. Yeah. So Nicholas, not only pretty terrible within Russia, but across Europe, he does Mm -hmm. a few things too, He will discourage countries, especially Prussia, from adopting a liberal constitution. Nicholas helps curtail the rights of citizens of European countries all over. Oh, that's great. And will help and assist those governments suppress any revolts or rebellions that begin. Well, that's awesome. So an anti-Semite
0: who opposes civil liberties more broadly than just at home.
1: Yeah, 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 Nicholas. that's, That's great. Yeah, so yikes. So let's go ahead and just get Nicholas dead and talk about his legacy and get to his trash cans. So Nicholas was distraught over his impending loss of the Crimean War. And here Nicholas catches a chill in his home. It's the Winter Palace, after all, in St. Petersburg. And Nicholas refuses medical treatment. Some folks surmise that this might be a passive manner of suicide over the shame of his military Mm -hmm. defeat. Interesting. I'm sick. I don't really want to get better. Whether or not that is true, Nicholas I dies of pneumonia on March the 2nd, 1855. Nicholas is succeeded by his son, Alexander II. That's a future story. But I do want to mention here that one of Nicholas's most devoted aides wrote of him after the death of the emperor. The main failing of the reign of Nicholas was that it was all a mistake.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a, a succinct
1: summary there. It's quite a statement, isn't it? It was all a mistake. So, a lot of trashy crowns for Nicholas. He didn't set that great a precedent for everything that's going to come after. I mean, to be fair, Nicholas really doesn't have a great, fantastic role model in Paul the I. However. Yeah, it
0: doesn't sound like he did much to move Russia forward into, you know, a modern European sensibility at all. I'm going to give him
1: 3000 The number of people caught up in the Decemberist revolt. Sure. Nicholas I gets 3,000 trashy crowns. I hope Constantine was happy. (laughs) We have so many more stories about the Romanovs that do connect back over to England as well as all throughout Europe. We'll be back next week with another fun story. Again, so many stories we have weaving through this time And y'all, it's so much fun to share them with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us today, for recommending us when people are looking for good podcasts, for telling your friends, for your kind emails and your ratings and reviews. Y'all get some shiny tiaras just for being so wonderful. (laughs) Stacy, can you believe it? We're 18 episodes in. I can't believe it, actually. It's just flown by. Can you believe our little extra side podcast idea is taking off? It's just incredible. Mm -hmm. We can't tell you how much we appreciate you for joining us in the court of our trashy royals. We are having a delightful time. Mm -hmm. We hope y'all are too. Yep. Holy cats. Keep your eye on the crown. Yep. Straighten that up. Polish it. Buff it. Make it shine. Keep seated on the throne. It's a risky game in Russia. We'll be back next week, friends. Thanks again to everybody. Have a wonderful week. See you next time at the Court of the Trashy Royals. Bye. Bye.